Our text is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. Our subject for consideration at this time is simply, God is able. The text reference once again, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. Thus we read, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Note the text says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. The word abound as used in our text means that the grace of God cannot be hindered and cannot be frustrated in its designs. Seeing then, there is no such thing as inability or probability with God. We must conclude that His thoughts shall come to pass and that His purposes shall stand. Isaiah 14 and verse 24. The simple term, the subject of our message at this time, God is able, is very profound, eternally and infinitely comprehensive, and leaves nothing beyond the scope of God's power. Our text says, He is sufficient and note in all things. This does not simply mean that God is equal to the task, for in truth there is no such thing as task with God. It is not merely that all things are within the scope of divine accomplishment, but that the entire universe and all things therein is irresistibly subservient to the power and purpose of God. We hear a lot about the power of sin, and it is an awful and fearful power. But there are two very important things we need to remember about the power of sin. First, it is a power controlled and regulated by God. Psalm 76, verse 10. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. All of man's ravings and all of his rantings redound to the glory of God. Then secondly, God's power does not checkmate the thrust of sin, but utterly frustrates its designs. For the infallible history of divine sovereignty reads, Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The plain truth is, there is no such thing as creature resistance to the power of God. In light of the truth of God's absolute sovereignty, let us read the apostolic prescription. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is in essence a prescription from the great physician, and it is refillable upon request. For he says, I know what you have need of before you ask. And he has stacked his shells with our, with infinitely with what we need for our pilgrimage in this life. Simply, there is no short supply of power with God. Amazing grace. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. There are many power phrases in the Bible which refer to God, but none are more comprehensive than the three small words contained in our text. God is able. The truth of these three small words received by faith becomes the antidote to fear, to doubt, and to depression and causes the saint to know he has already triumphed in Christ. That is what Paul meant when he said, 
who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect, it is God that justifieth. And it is the reason why Paul asked, since God be for us, who can be against us? The devil is the author of sin. He has peddled it by the bar room, the bedroom, and the game room. He has bottled it and brothled it and buttered it up and caused man to revel in it. But beloved, the sure and perfect antidote to man's sin is merely and truly the grace of Almighty God. That is the perfect antidote to sin. In Romans 10 and verse 3, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Beloved, it is the righteousness of God that gives us a favorable a favorable acceptance before Almighty God. And beloved, the righteousness of God is none other than His Son, the person, Jesus Christ. Man cannot, though, and will not submit to the righteousness of God, which is Jesus Christ. Even the Savior Himself said, You will not come to Me that you might have life. And in another reference, John 6, 44, He said, No man can come to Me, except the Father which sent Me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Hence, man's desperate need of God's grace. He will not and cannot come. And this spells out his woeful state in time. The scriptures emphatically declare salvation is of the Lord. But man's perverted intellect is equally emphatic and says salvation is of the Lord and man. There is no way whereby the lost man can successfully deny the charge of adding and adulterating the precious word of God. Their theology, when measured by the inspired and infallible record, is seen to be loaded with the notions of the depraved intellect. Paul says, For it is God which worketh in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 2 and verse 13. But the free willer believes God is able only when he has successfully solicited the help of man. And would from his theological reason be forced to read it thusly, for it is God which worketh with man according to man's good pleasure and will. They have God always seeking the approbation of his creatures upon his designs and purpose. However, no matter the infinite work of God, which included the blessed sacrifice of his Son and the glorious resurrection of him from the grave. And beloved, it is this wherein God has purposed to save His people, and that by the righteousness of another, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then too, beloved, let us note that God is able to save. No doubt, God is able to save. This is one of the profoundest of profound statements which has ever been made. Note, I read again, God is able to save. Beloved, it is not God and man, but it is God solitarily who is able to save. Hebrews 7, 25. Hebrews 7 and verse 25. Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. The angel said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he, note that, for he shall save his people from their sin. The scriptures plainly state, He is able also to save. It does not say, God with man's help is able to save. Beloved, God in saving his people does that which is impossible with man. 
Man is in a desperate need of being saved from his sin, and he has no ability whatsoever to save himself. Man will either be saved by the pure and free grace of God, or he will eternally suffer under the just curse which God has placed upon sin. How awful such a thought. Christ does not half save. Now, he does not 99% save. He unconditionally saves his people from their sin. We on occasion sing a song entitled, Jesus Saved. It begins with these words. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Another verse reads, and you please listen. Sing above the battle strike. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. By his death and endless life, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Beloved, Jesus saves. Not Jesus and man. It is not a cooperative effort. Beloved, it is simply Jesus is the Savior of his people. How does Jesus save? By his death and endless life. Yet, all over America, there will be Christians, at least claiming to be Christians, and they will be singing this song today. They are all ill-qualified to sing this hymn as it is in the songbook unless they have put their trust, unless God has called them and saved them and caused their trust to be holy and entirely in Him. Beloved, they cannot sing it from the heart. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, and that Jesus alone. It is not Jesus saves if you will let Him by, or help Him to save you. I wonder who it is that those people who have not their trust in Christ, yet are church people, when they sing, Hallelujah, what a Savior. I wonder who it is they have reference to. Beloved, I would not doubt that many would at least inadvertently tell you if you ask them, it is Jesus and man that saves. But the Word of God has forever settled the matter, and it is settled with these words and that in heaven. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. None will argue that if it were possible for a lost man to choose Christ, that that would be a work of righteousness. But the Scripture says, it is not by works of righteousness which we, men, have done. So it is not by man's choice or volition of Christ, no, which would be a work of righteousness, but by Christ's choice of a number of Adam's fallen posterity unto life, which is the work of the righteousness of Christ. Even the Savior himself said, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. John 15 and verse 16. Let us read this text paraphrase. Not by works of righteous, righteousness which we have done, but by works of righteousness which Christ has done. And that's past tense, brother. Nothing left. For you or I nor any other man to do. Christ has accomplished redemption for his people. Scripture, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then in verse 10 it says, We are his workmanship. That is in Ephesians 2 and verse 10. Created in Christ Jesus. Man's heart has him deceived. Deceived. So much so that he imagines he can save himself and that he deserves to be saved. Well, he is wrong on both counts. He cannot save himself and he deserves to go to hell. 
Beloved, he is ill-deserving of the least mercy or favor of God. And if it were not for the grace of God, his deceived mind would carry him at jet speed into the burning lake of fire. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Beloved, simply, all things have become new. Our lives, the life of the redeemed person, is to demonstrate the newness of life which he has received from Christ. God is not merely able to save, but he says to the uttermost, uttermost. With the word uttermost, we say God can save the vilest, vilest person. But the primary thought in using the word is God completely, completely saves. He saves without the help of man and saves man from every sin and stain. God so fully saves that he never remembers their sins against his people anymore. Hebrews 8 and verse 12, he says, Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And the Bible says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Psalm 103 and verse 12. This brings us to consider that God is able to keep or secure those whom he saves. In 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul says, I know whom, note that, I know the person. Beloved, it is a person, not a what. Surely Paul understood and believed what the Lord had laid upon his heart. But he says here in this text, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And then the Apostle John says, speaking of the Holy Spirit, the sovereign Holy Spirit, greater is he, greater is the person of the Holy Spirit that is in you than he that is in the world. And that is the devil. I ask, can the Holy Spirit be defeated? Beloved, I am happy and glad to say nay, he cannot. Elsewise, all mankind would eventually end up in hell. But let us note some arguments from reason in support of the Word of God, if there can be such. It is the greater work to save you. Surely, He can keep you, for keeping is the lesser work. That is, if there were greater and lesser works with God. Then secondly, if God saved you and later in life you became lost, it would prove that the sacrifice of Christ was ineffectual, and you could never ever go to heaven, for Christ would have to come back to earth and die the second time to save you. And the second death can be no more effectual than the first. So there would be no whatsoever for such a case. But thank God, there are no such cases. And thank God, we do not have to rely upon the broken crutch of reason, for we have God's word on this great matter. Christ hath once, note that, suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. He, he, he has suffered in the place and room of his people as their vicarious or their suffering substitute upon the awful tree of Calvary. Jude 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Not only able to keep, but also to present faultless those whom he has saved. And brother, all of this to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he, hath made us accepted in the Beloved, Ephesians 1, 6. In one sweeping and breathtaking expression, Paul negates all the native powers known to man and highlights their impotence as regards their ability to affect preservation, to affect the preservation decree of his people. 
Paul says, For I am, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Beloved, the devil may go about seeking whom he may devour. But, beloved, the Bible tells us right here that the devil is a creature and he cannot separate God's people from the love of Christ, which is in, which is, which is eternal. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Christ said to the reprobate Pharisees in John 10, 26 through 30, But you believe not because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Beloved, he said, they follow me. Some follow more closely. Some follow afar off. But none follow so far off that they will not make it into the heavenly gate. God is able to save, able to keep them whom he saves until that day, and able to keep against that day, and that without a fault against them. Beloved, they are saved and presented unto God through Christ, faultless, sinless, and beloved, rejoicing before God. Then, too, he is able to help, able to succor or help them who are tempted. Hebrews 2, verse 18. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. He is able to help them, the Bible says right here, able to help them that are tempted. The devil, the believer's arch foe, is a shrewd and crafty adversary. He is not going to tempt the dedicated saint with drunkenness, for he knows the God-fearing saint would immediately say, Get thee behind me, Satan. Nor will he tempt the follower of Christ with atrocious crimes. That is, he will not tempt the saint with these things as long as he is consistently following his Lord but he will tempt him with more subtle devices. Moses was living on the backside of the desert, and the Lord came to him and told him to go into Pharaoh and to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. But Moses was satisfied with the status quo after tending to the sheep of his father-in-law and with his wife and with his family. I would venture to say that the devil came to thousands of saints in America this morning with this same temptation, saying to them, It is cloudy outside and looks like rain, and it will be the same old routine at church anyhow. You might as well stay home and enjoy your family and the comforts of your home. I fear he has had a great measure of success. Now, beloved, I am not against the home. On the contrary, I am pro-home. But to neglect the church is to be against the home. Moses feared Pharaoh and said, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? The devil can, if we will not, if we are not careful, go to work in our minds and create many Pharaohs and set them in our pathway. But beloved, note, if you would, God is greater than Pharaoh. And he took Pharaoh out of the way of Moses, and he will take all the Pharaohs which the devil raises up before us out of our way because he is able to help us. We need to go to him and seek his help. Moses' fears were assaged by the blessed word of God, wherein he said to Moses, Certainly I will be with thee, 